word of prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for uh, the fellowship, the, the food, the, the good time we've had. I'm thankful that now we can study your word. I pray for your word, the truth of God to be known. I pray for a foundation to be built in our kids, our, our youngest kids, uh, a, a foundation, an anchor that will hold. I pray for our youth tonight that they're learning something that is, that is truth, that will stack up, that will hold in a world that's going to try to pull all that apart. And then I pray for our adult classes tonight, same thing, that we are learning and growing in your truth, your word, that we know you better, that we love you more, and I pray that it bears fruit in our lives. I pray that tonight you would speak. I pray that it would truly be a supernatural event where we would hear from you as, as we study your word. We're thankful for this opportunity, and I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're in lesson number 78. If you got your worksheet when you came in, uh, it is called The House That Stands. We started in the book of Genesis. We're 78 lessons in, working our way to the book of Revelation. We are in a section where we're looking at the Gospels. Uh, we've been here for six or eight weeks. Uh, we're going to be here probably another 15 weeks looking at the life and the times, the teachings of Christ uh, in the Gospel accounts. Tonight, we are in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. This is a section at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. I'm going to go ahead and read that together to start off, and then we'll work through our lesson looking at each verse. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, again, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, beginning verse 24, says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. That's our set of verses. Again, we're going to go through it uh, in detail tonight. The key point tonight from your worksheet, uh, as Jesus wraps up his Sermon on the Mount, he gives the key to it bearing impact in the life of his, of, of his disciples, of, his, of its hearers. And so uh, we've heard the Sermon on the Mount. Well, now he gives the key to having an impact. Jesus makes it plain. It's not only enough to hear his words, uh, but his disciples have to faithfully put them into practice. Now, I want to I think about something right there. Uh, here we are, whatever age you are, whatever situation of life that you're in, uh, aren't we sometimes tempted to say, you know what, I want a life like that. And we might see somebody, we might see their walk with Christ, and we'd say, I want a, I want a, I want a life like that. Or I want to live like that. I want that to be the pattern of my life. I want that to be how I live. Or I want to see those things in my life. I want that to be the fruit of my life. This is what comes out of, of my life. And I want that. Or maybe we, we, we live long enough that we go, you know what? I want to avoid those things. I don't, I've had enough of that crazy. And I've had enough of that trouble. And that had enough of that drama. And I'd like to be done with that. And so I would like to avoid those things in my life. Well, Jesus has given us the Sermon on the Mount, and he now gives us the key 
to it bearing an impact. I want a life like that. I want a Christian walk like that. I want to avoid those things. Well, he's going to give us the key tonight. The first section is called Hearing and Heeding. Uh, now, I want you to think about how profound this is. Jesus uh, finishes up what many consider the greatest sermon ever preached. And I think, well, how could it not be the greatest sermon ever preached? Uh, look at its preacher, it's Christ himself. And so many believe this, this section that we've just gone over, passed through, it's the greatest sermon ever preached. He has presented his disciples, and that's who he calls up on this, on this hill, uh, with profound truths about what it is to follow him. And so this is what it's going to look like to follow me. This is what it's going to require to follow me. Uh, if you think about it, his sermon proves exactly opposite of what the world says. And, and, and you go through it piece by piece, and where the world says it values these things, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is exactly opposite of that. And so we see these things that are, that are opposite of worldly wisdom and the expectation of the culture. The sermon, you go through it, it is full of, of commands and instructions and warnings, and there really seems to be no area of our human life uh, that's left unaffected. So it may, not, it may not exactly address every single thing, but the overlap that's there, uh, it's going to cover pretty much everything that we, that we experience or we do as, as humans. Uh, it starts off with the Beatitudes. It talks about judging others. It gives us a very good lesson in prayer. How do we pray? Talks about relationships, marriage relationships, other relationships. Talks about how to treat, what to do with the poor. Talks about honesty and character in our, in our personal attributes. Talks about wealth, seeking wealth, how to view and perceive wealth. Talks about worry. I think a very timely topic, how, how we worry. All of those things. And so here comes Christ calls his disciples up to this hill, says, hey, here's what it looks like to follow me as my disciple, gives them the, these great teachings, but it's not enough. And when I say that, that sounds like, ooh, that's, that's, that's kind of hard to say. That magnificent sermon from Christ himself is not enough. And you say, well, you're crazy. Uh, it's actually Christ that tells us that. He's the one that actually says that himself. Uh, as Jesus wraps it up, he tells us that hearing that is not going to be sufficient. So he's the one that says, you've heard it, having it, uh, it's not going to be sufficient. For this sermon to produce its desired impact or to bear its desired uh, result, it must be acted upon in obedience. And so that's what, he, that's what he sums it up with. Great teaching, counter the culture, uh, instruction for disciples, but he says it's not enough. It has to be observed. It has to be walked out in obedience. To only hear it and not heed it is going to end in disaster. Now, I want to I think about that for a second. How many of us think, you know, I came to church Sunday, or I came to church that week, and, and man, we had a great sermon, or man, we went and we had a great class, and I heard that, and you think, you know, that's that's the... That's the end result. That's what I wanted to do, and I heard the word of God. He says to hear alone is not going to bear the fruit that you want to see. It is to actually walk it out in obedience. All right, we're going to look at the verses uh, piece by piece now. The call of the sermon, the call of the sermon. Verse 24 starts off, and it says, 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Jesus here makes it clear the importance of acting on his words. Now, you go to the original language, you go to the Greek, the, the word there for acts, it literally means does or carries out. And so he says, the, uh, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them or carries them out. Uh, understand this, Jesus was never teaching to just pass on information. He's not a grand professor and he's got a great, uh, he's got a great lecture lined up and he's just giving out information. That's not what he was doing. He was never just giving out information. He was never just educating his hearers. He didn't say, hey, come here and I'll talk to you about the Jewish faith and I'll talk about how it ends with the Messiah. He wasn't just educating them. He wasn't just passing on information. He was always, always calling them to observe and to do the things that they heard. You hear folks today and they'll concede about Christ. He was a great teacher. Gandhi will say, he was a great teacher. Others would say the same thing. Now listen, he wasn't a teacher passing on information. He was calling for people to follow, to obey, to observe, and to do. It, it was that, it was a difference in that. Now I want you to notice this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Notice the call is made to everyone. That means this, anyone in the hearing of these words, now that includes us today, uh, we have the call of Christ to hear the words and then to carry out these words. And so those disciples that were called together on that hill, they, they were there to hear, but then he said, you've got a call to carry it out. Well, guess what? Here we are again, 2,000 years later. As we hear these words, we have the same call to carry the words out to, to obey them. All right, he gives us an example here. First example, the house that stands, the house that stands. Verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Uh, verse 24, the person who acts on Jesus's word, he hears them and he acts on them, is compared to a wise man. Now, on Sunday nights, we went through the entire book of Proverbs and we saw a wise person is a person that accumulates the knowledge, that accumulates the facts, but then actually has godly wisdom and operates according to godly wisdom. A foolish person was not an ignorant person. A foolish person was a person that has the facts but chooses not to operate on them. That's a foolish person. You knew the truth. You knew the right thing and you choose or you chose not to operate accordingly. Uh, so a person who hears the words and acts on them, they are compared to a wise man. Again, it's more than just possessing information. It's more than just uh, an academic knowledge. This is a true understanding. In the illustration, the man, this wise man, built his house on the rock. Now the rock, that rock is gonna serve as the foundation uh, for their house, for everything that's built above the foundation. Uh, if you know anything about building a house, if you've ever gone through that process, really building anything, uh, you will know that everything hinges on the foundation. Everything goes back uh, to the foundation. Doesn't matter how impressive the building is if there's a flaw in the foundation. 
I've told the story one other time. Uh, there was a time my dad and I decided to build a cabin on one of our farms. And we, it was it was 42-foot square foundation. It was up on 42 telephone poles, and we set the poles, and we got the whole thing done. That's a lot of telephone poles to dig by hand. And we were two inches off square. And I remember we stood there, and we looked, and we're two inches off square, and we're farmers. And so we said, that's good. I can't believe we got two inches off square. That is excellent. Uh, how, I don't know how we did that. That's not a big deal, except guess what doesn't match? The sheetrock. Guess doesn't want to match the deck. Guess what doesn't match? The decking up top. Guess what doesn't match? The tin roof, two inches off. It messed up everything all the way through that house. The foundation goes back. It is a big, big deal. Anybody that builds anything will, will tell you that. Uh, there, there are houses now that you'll see a crack in the foundation and you know what? It may not show up immediately, but there's going to be a crack in the wall, and there's going to be a crack in the sheetrock, and you're going to try to suck it up and tape it off, and it's going to show back up. Uh, it matters. To apply Jesus' illustration, the person who hears his words and then does them, carries them out, lives accordingly, they have laid the best foundation. All right, verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Notice the intensity of the assault against this house. Rain falls, winds blow, winds slam, floods rise, and it seems to hit all at once. I want you to think about life. And if you've lived very long, you know this. Doesn't it seem that trouble often comes like that? It often is multifaceted. It, also, it often shows up. Uh, if not at once, it shows up in rapid succession. And so you're like, well, that was cruddy. That was bad. And then something happens on Thursday. And you think, I, I still made it. I made it to Tuesday. We're all right. And then something drops on you on Wednesday. And it either happens all at once or it happens in, in rapid succession. It reminds me of another story of uh, when my dad was very, very sick. He was in the hospital. One thing, one bad diagnosis, and somebody gave him a shirt that said, Stick around, it gets worse. <laughs> I think that's a lot of how our trouble in life comes. Hang around a little bit, it's going to get worse. The winds are going to blow, the, the flood's going to come, and it's all going to hit at once. The saying, when it rains, it pours. I think about, I guess I'm getting old, but I think about the Hee Haw show when they sit there and say, pain, despair, and agony on me. Now, that's a lot how our, our problems come. This house, greatly assaulted, yet stands, and the difference is the foundation. Okay, live by the word of Christ. Live by the word of God. Say it all the time. The house that stands, and the financial pressures come, and the, the health pressures come, and the marriage pressures come, and the kids going crazy, and those pressures come, and the trouble at work comes, and the accusation of a slanderous neighbor, all these things come, and the house still stands. That is a testimony to the foundation, and that's what this is. How do you know you can trust the word of God? The house that stands is a testimony to the foundation. All right, the example goes on. The house that falls, the house that falls. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The foolish person, again, in our study of Proverbs, it's a person who hears the truth, knows the truth, but disregards the truth. Uh, I think in Hebrew, the literal translation is a stupid person. And so uh, a stupid person, uh, they hear, but they do not heed. And so this person builds their, their house on sand. Now think about this. Sand appears to be a sufficient foundation. Uh, it's hard. It packs down. It stands up. Uh, you, you've got sand. If you've got sand, you go, hey, that's, that's a solid foundation. Until the trouble comes. It appears to be a solid foundation until the trouble comes. So this guy comes along. Hey, this is where I'm going to build my house. I don't want to go out to put in the effort to do this other thing. Builds his house on the sand. Hey, it seems hard. The house is built. The house looks good. The two houses side by side. Now, you're cruising along. It looks fine. It looks like the neighbor's house. Doesn't seem to be any problem there. Think about different folks. Some have built their life on the word of God. Some have not. And for a little while, doesn't it look like they got it made? They're all right. They're doing fine. They got better stuff than we do. They're doing better than we are. And it looks like a solid uh, foundation. It looks to be similar. Verse 27. Here it comes. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell. And Jesus says this, and great was its fall. Under the siege of this crazy assault, the house falls. Man, it was awesome, man. It was built right, had all the stuff. But the problem was in the foundation and the house falls. Um, I, I think part of the saddest thing is that Jesus says, and great was its fall. Here's the deal. The consequences for not heeding or obeying or living according to the word of God, they are stark. And it may seem insignificant for a while. It's all right. It uh, doesn't seem to affect anything. We're okay. It may seem in, insignificant for a time, but the time will come when it will be revealed. There is a consequence for disobeying God. There is a consequence for using worldly wisdom. There is a consequence uh, for, for putting your own plan into action, not listening to or heeding what, what Christ has said. There will be a time. A foundation built on anything but God's truth is certainly a faulty foundation. A foundation built on anything but God's truth. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know why we're dumb, but I don't know how to get people to understand that. And I think it's time, and I think it's wreckage. You got to crash and burn a couple times. But I don't know what it would take to, for people to say, you know what? God tells us how to live in our marriage. God tells us how to raise our kids. God tells us how to do business. God tells us how to treat other people. And if we'll heed that, guess what? Uh, it works out. And if we do not, there's going to be trouble coming. I don't know why we, 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 we might say we hear, understand it, but we, we seem to ignore that. Think about the areas where we may be tempted to overlook God's truth. God says, here's, here's how to do it. Think about the areas where you might be tempted to overlook God's truth. I wrote down three, three areas. First one is in the little things. And these, this, there's no right or wrong answer. These are just things I think we might think, well, uh, I can get by with it. In the little things, does that really matter? I don't know if it really matters. It's a little thing. 
So I'm not going to listen to what God says in that area. It's a little thing. And I think there are certain things we go, that's not a big deal. I'll do what I want to do right there. Here's another one. In the secret things, we are devious and we are shady. And if we think nobody will ever know, we might do some things that we wouldn't do if we thought people would know. And that's just, if I, if I knew, you know what, you're going to do some things, but in four months, I'm going to put it on the big screen and we're all going to talk about it. You might say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do those things. But if you thought you might get by with it, if you thought nobody would know, uh, we, we might say in the secret things, I, I'm not going to really listen. And so I'm not going to obey. And so we're not going to, the little things, the secret things. And then here's one for arrogant people, which that's all of us. The areas we think we know better. And so there are areas that God says, here's, here's how to do it. And we say, yeah, but I'm an expert in this area. Yeah, but I've got a different situation in this area. And so we think we know better. And so I think that's another area we go, I'm not going to listen to God. I, I know how to do this. I'll check back with him at funeral time because he knows how to handle death, but I know how to do it this way in, in this area. Those are areas we might be tempted to overlook God's truth. One more thing before we move off of that one. Think about times that we have witnessed where indeed the fall was great. And it may be in your life, it may be in somebody else's life, but you know what? Things are, are trucking right along and then, and then it just comes all apart. And you look back and it may be a marriage, it may be a divorce, maybe some financial deal, maybe something else altogether, but you look out and everything's just blown all apart. Everything's destroyed. And you go, and great was its fall. How many times you go, you know what? I thought we could do it, didn't work out, and great was the fall. The crash happens. All right, the next section, more than a reporter. More than a reporter. Let me read the last two verses. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. As uh, the sermon wraps up, as there is a plain call to, to do what it says, there is this really, I think, a terrific re realization that goes on. These people say, he's not just tell he's just not reciting things back to us. This is different. A scribe would repeat back the scroll of Isaiah. Uh, somebody else would teach out of a, a different scroll. They go, this is different. He's not just reciting things. We've never heard half of these things, not in this format. And they start to say, you know what, this is different. Uh, there seems to be an authority tied to this, not as we've seen with these other speakers. Notice the difference is so great that it says they were amazed. The, the word in, in, in the Greek actually means beside themselves, bewildered. This isn't normal, and they recognize that. Now think about that for a second. Jesus is proclaiming the word of God as the author of the word of God and more than that as the revelation of the word of God. He's proclaiming the word of God. He's the author of the word of God. He's the subject and the revelation of the word of God. So that's, that's wild. That is profound. They're recognizing that as he teaches. All right, so how do we apply that? What do we do with that? Living by the word of Christ. As disciples, we've just heard the key to success, according to Jesus, 
is living in obedience. And so listen to this. Hey, I'd like to have a life like that. Hey, I would like to have a walk with Christ like that. Hey, I would like to see those things in my life. Hey, I would like to avoid those situations in my life. Well, Jesus says this. Here's the key. Obedience. Hear it. Do it. We're to do the things that Christ calls for. Now, here's the deal. It is an action. That's what it is. Practice it. Do it. It is an action. If it's an action, it will be observable. You're doing something. Hey, I, I can see what you're doing here. We are to build our lives on the rock, the word of God. Here's what that means. Sum it up. You cannot live like the world and follow Jesus Christ. And that, that sounds cliche, and that sounds like something a Baptist preacher would say. Uh, but here's the deal. The world's logic is not God's logic. The world's system is not God's system. The culture has bought a whole bunch of lies, and so you can't grab part of that and adhere to part of that and practice part of that and actually claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We have trusted Christ. We submit to Christ. We're going to take the word of Christ, and we're going to live according to the, to the word of Christ. You actually have to walk according to what God says in his word. Now, here, here's the question. Why would we do that? Why would you say, I want to live counter to the culture and walk with Christ? Why would you do that? Now, there's, there may be more reasons. There's probably somebody that came up with more. I came up with two reasons. Why would we do that? Here are two reasons. Why do you live in obedience to Christ? Why do you walk with Christ? Two reasons. The first is this. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. We love Christ. We love Jesus. And so we want to please him, we want to bless him, and we want to honor him. And our love for him propels us to live in, in careful adherence to what he's instructed. Let me tell you this. If you call my office, and depending on who you are, you say, hey, I need you to, to get a bag of ice and, and run it down Wilbarger Street to the courthouse barefoot. I would probably say, who is this? And then we'll say, and, and what's the deal with you? Now, if Sarah Joe calls me and says, hey, Daddy, I got something going on, and I need a bag of ice delivered to me barefoot at the courthouse, I'm going to say, you all right? Yeah, you need this? Yeah. And I'm going to get a bag of ice and start trucking down Wilmarker <laughs> Street barefoot. Don't know why. Why is that? It's because you love somebody. Well, you know what? When you love Christ, you know what? I want to live in a way that pleases Christ. I want to be obedient to Christ. Your love for Christ propels this. Second thing, and it's a separate thing, but tied together. Second thing is this. We trust Jesus. We trust Jesus. We have grown to know that what he says is true, what he says is best, what he says bears fruit. And so as we trust him, we're willing to carry out his instructions. Even if it doesn't align with what the world says, even if it doesn't align with worldly logic, we're confident that it is safe and he is trustworthy, and so we defer to him. We trust Jesus. Somebody calls me up and says, hey, this is Bill from so-and-so. I don't know you, but uh, I need you to send me $500 this afternoon, but I'll bring it back tomorrow. Um, who is this and what are you? But again, Carrie calls me up and says, I need $500. And I don't want to talk about it till tonight. You know, I'm going to try to go get it out of your car and take it over to her or something like that. 
We trust, and so we do. Uh, when we trust Christ, his way is best. His way bears fruit. When we trust Christ, we desire to walk in obedience. Now, here's the deal. As you grow in your love for him, you grow in your trust for him. As you grow in your trust for him, and, and what he said held true, he didn't hurt me. He didn't stomp a mud hole in me. My love for him grows, and it becomes this circle that picks up speed. So here, here's the bottom line tonight. If you're having trouble with issues of obedience, do I want to do what Christ has said to do? If you're having troubles with issues of obedience, I could give you a whole lot of examples. We have to consider, is my problem a problem of love or a problem of trust? And I think there's times to step back and go, maybe I just don't trust Christ. And maybe I think I can do it better. Maybe I think he's going to get me messed up if I follow him. And the issue is trust. Or maybe it's an issue of love. And, and, and I think, you know what, I just don't love you that much. I'm not, I, the cost for that is too much, and I just don't love you that much. So if you're having an issue with obedience, pick your area. You have to step back and say, is my, is my issue here trust? I don't trust him. Or is my issue here love? I don't love him to that extent. There's, that's the issue. Now, here's, here's the, the application, and we're going to wrap it up with that. So what's the remedy for either one of those things? You do not love him enough, or you do not trust him enough. And, hey, that, that's, just, that's just being honest. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so if you have a trust issue, or if you have a love issue, what is the remedy for either one of those things and I came up with two things, and I'm sure there's going to be more, but I came up with two things. The first thing is this, is time spent in God's Word. I, I'm getting where I, I'll say that about four times a week. You know Christ, and you, knew, you know He paid for your sin. You know He was beaten beyond recognition. You know He went to the cross of Calvary. You knew the sacrifice He made, humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know that He's made a way for you to have eternal life. You know that He wants to see you for eternity, as you know about Christ, you know his word is faithful, you know his word is true, you know he's kind to sinners, gracious to sinners. Keep going down the list. As you know who Christ is, you start to love him more. And as, as you spend time seeing uh, how God's character is revealed in Scripture, the more time you spend in Scripture, I believe, produces a love for Christ. So if the problem is love, spend time in God's word, and that will grow. Second part of that is trust. How do you grow in trust? Same thing. You spend time in God's word and say, you know what? He said this and it held true right here. You know what? They were in a, in a bind right here and he delivered them right here. You know what? We're, we're lost without a savior for, for our sin. He sent a savior in Christ right here. As you spend time in God's word, uh, your trust in him will grow. I, I'm 52 and I'm just now really starting to figure it out. We've got to spend time really in God's word. And, and I can tell you this, I, I say it a lot. The, the more distant I get from the word of God, I get meaner, fouler, sorrier, more depressed. Pick your area, more discouraged. Uh, and, and so you know what? we have to stay in the word of God. So how do you grow in your love and your trust? You spend time in the word of God. Second thing is this, and I wouldn't have said this until, until recently after some time, how do you grow in your love and your trust? It is, it is also tied to the length of your walk with Christ. And I think this, when you walk with Christ and you see 
how he blesses you and how he's shown you grace and kindness. And you see that over time, you love him more and you trust him more. There's, there's going to be folks that have known Christ for 29 years but have walked with him about 30 minutes. And they're going to have missed out on the fact that he loves you and he's not going to forsake you and he's not going to turn on you. And I can look and think about all the great things God has blessed me with in my life, the, the way he forgives me when I foul up and sin. And, and, and as I have this walk with him, I grow in my love and my trust. So here's the thing. Those things happen spending time in the Word of God. They also spend time in a committed walk with Christ. I, I, I watched folks. I, I was looking last night at a guy that was, um, he was a pastor in Vernon way back 71 to 74. Uh, I, I met him sometime and, and got to be his friend. He passed away last night. And I think 90-something years old, 92, 93, how awesome to have walked with Christ for 60-something years. And say, you know what? He was faithful, and he never was less than faithful. Um, I, I followed him, and I and I wish I'd have fought him closer, but I'm not. I have no regrets in that. Length of time in our Christian walk. So here's the deal: uh, you want to see God's word bear fruit in your life, you got to walk in obedience. You want to walk in obedience, you're going to have to grow in your knowledge, your love, and your trust of Christ. Time spent in God's word, time spent endeavoring to walk with Christ. That's the key, and that will bear fruit in your life. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Glad you're here tonight. All right, let's pray. Dearly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your word. I pray that we've heard it, and I pray that we're ready to heed it and I pray whatever age, whatever station we are tonight, whatever we find ourselves, that we would say, God, I love you and I trust you, but I want to do both of those things better and more deeply. Help me in that. Lord, help us be people of your word. Help us be people that walk with you. I pray for our kids uh, learning tonight. I pray that they're learning this at an early age. Pray for our youth tonight, learning that they can trust you uh, Pray for us in this room and then those that are listening in different ways. Uh, pray, Lord, that we are pleasing in your sight as we desire to walk in obedience. We, we praise you tonight. We worship you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.